Jeremy here. Just before we get into the show, wanted to give an update. We have a new tier on our Patreon. That is the Sheikah supporter tier for $5 or more a month. You get a week early access to episodes as well as getting to pick games that you play alongside us. Each month, people in this tier can pick a game that we'll play. We'll stream it on our Discord for everyone else to see. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We just played the Rogue Hero Ruins of Tassos game, uh, which is this roguelike, Zelda-like game that uh, is very similar to the old Four Swords games. It's very chaotic. It's very, very fun. If you want to join up in that, go to patreon.com slash chat of the wild. If you can't afford that, we do still have the smaller tier. Just a reminder, people that join in that tier, they get ad-free episodes. They also get access to our side quests episodes, where once a month we record an episode just talking about all the other games that we have been playing. You also get to pick the games that we play in between Zelda games, what we call our Gaiden games, as well as getting a shout-out. If that sounds good to you, once again, go to patreon.com slash chat of the wild sign up support us we really appreciate it anyways that's all i have so let's get on with the show hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chat of the Wild. Uh, this is not a normal season episode. We, uh, I don't know, this is a one-off. What are, we don't have a name for these, do we, Jeremy? In between <laughs> the, the evergreen episodes, that's what I always called them. Yeah, uh, it's it's nothing but filler from here on out <laughs> for the next however long. Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm really bad at intros, but it's it's okay. It's my it's my flaw. Um, I'll overcome it in the character arc by the end of this, I guess. This whole series. Um, joining me is my co-host Jeremy Harvey. Hello, and we are here today to talk to No Illusions, who is uh, part of a Puzzle in a Thunderstorm uh, podcast, like Scathing Atheist and uh, God Awful Movies. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Noah? Uh, yeah. So um, I, I have a couple of podcasts: uh, Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, The Skeptocrat, Citation Needed, and D and D Minus. That's the the newest of the batch. Uh, so I'm pretty much always podcasting. My goal is to take over all of them in a Borg-like fashion. That's why I'm here. I'm here to assimilate <laughs> you guys. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, in what little free time I've got, I uh, enjoy the hell out of video games. I own an insane number of video game consoles, and I play the hell out of all of them. Yeah, you... Uh... It's like you guys make little cheeky video game references from time to time, but then sometimes you will just pull out the most esoteric, uh, like old school reference, and like the Fairchild Channel F is getting dropped, and I'm just like, <laughs> nice, good job, good job, Noah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, actually, that I, that's my uh, my passion in terms of video games more than anything is in that uh, Gen two uh, console era. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated by how much they were able to do with so little in the way of technology, with so little in the way of memory, with so little in the way of you know possibilities that they were able to still craft these just genius games that are still fun 40, 50 years later. Um, mm-hmm. it just it just blows me away. I, I just I, I love kind of revisiting that craftsmanship and seeing what they could do. Yeah, especially when it's it's usually just one guy uh in an office in in Sunnyvale or whatever wherever uh, Tari was at the time or something mm-hmm. like that like and and especially with i i think some of the 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 cooler parts of that era is that the whole package was like part of the experience like the box art helped yes. it helped you uh contextualize what you were doing and and the world that you were in so yeah well, what was so, what's so cool is to have watched, you know, over the years, because, of course, I, I was born in 1976, so I've been around for pretty much the entire history of video games, or at least, a, 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 you know, the entire history of commercial video game consoles. Yeah, as an industry, basically. Yeah, and it's been really cool to watch as the games have slowly caught up with that box art. You know, back back in the day when, uh, what was it, when Robinette made Adventure, sort of the precursor to, to Zelda, you know, it was just like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, you, you, you gotta use your imagination here that square is a dude uh that <laughs> treble cleft is a dragon just trust us just trust us that- <laughs> and now we've gotten to the point where the artwork is actually cooler than anything that they could manage to put together on the Ata- uh the atari box art as well so yeah yeah exactly i mean and then you know robinette had to draw that duck himself yeah. so mm-hmm. um if, if he had had someone who who was a little more artistically inclined, they may have come up with something different for pixel art yeah. for that. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure they would have come up with something different, uh, probably better as well. But um... <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that like Robinette's game, or Adventure for the Atari, is one of the few uh, precursors to Zelda to like come out of America. Like We didn't have a lot of those kind of action-adventure games they were doing that a little bit more in like pc japan stuff but we didn't see any of that you look at the history of the rpg in general that it was sort of like it it came from the u.s to japan and then was exported back to the u.s in in sort of the Mm -hmm. the the fashion that we know it now uh I, i can't remember the guy's name uh but the same guy that 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 uh was the chief um Oh, Hank something or another. The guy who found... Uh, Hank the, Rogers. Yeah, Hank Rogers. Yeah, exactly. He was the first one to introduce yeah. the whole RPG genre to Japan. Uh, and then when it... Sort of when we re-inherited, we were like, holy crap, is this what we gave you? <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you can you can tell um, what the source material was because like Final Fantasy One is just a, a monster manual. Right, basically for D and D. So yeah, um, and, and they diverged so differently too. Whereas we still kind of had the PC scene of of free form RPGs, but and that exists today in 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 games like Fallout or Elder Scrolls or or whatever. But yeah, um, did did you play like Zelda one, Zelda two, Zelda? Three, you know, a link to the past. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I played um the original Zelda the year it came out, uh, and absolutely loved it. Me and my brother played it together. Uh, you know, basically, I was better at the video game aspects. He was better at the puzzle aspects. So uh, he would watch me play, and he would map it 
And then after I had, mm-hmm. you know, beaten the bad guys, he'd go back in and check every nook and cranny of everything. He'd burn every <laughs> bush to find the, you know, so it, it was a team effort that we played through together. Um, and interestingly enough, like all of the major Zelda games that I've played have been in some way or another sort of a team effort with either me and my brother, me and my dad, me and my wife. Um, Mm -hmm. it's one of the things I absolutely love about the franchise is that, you know, when it's at its best, it becomes a two player game just because the puzzles are so clever and there's so much worth figuring out. Mm hmm. Yeah. And having someone there to bounce ideas off of, uh, I think, I think that's how my friends and I basically did, uh, Mario world and Mario 64, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, only a couple of us were good at playing it. And the other ones kind of were like the brain trust and, and uh, they were bouncing ideas back and forth, trying to figure out where where cool things might be hidden. Right. I but did that. That's really cool. I did that with my brother too, except I kind of did it in a bad way because I was just a, the bad older brother. Where he'd be like, "Why don't you try this?" And I'd be like, "Why don't you shut up?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I have I have since apologized to him so many times. <laughs> Fortunately, he still loves the Zelda series somehow. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think looking back, I necessarily helped that, Right. but he still <laughs> likes it. So that's great. I mean, Zelda one almost had to be, uh, you know, at least you had to be getting something from, you know, somewhere or another, having another person around would certainly help. There's just, they kind of much the same way breath of the wild. They kind of just drop you in the world and, and go have fun. Well, you know, and Miyamoto said that one of his goals in crafting that game was to create something that was too hard for any one person to beat mm-hmm. so that you would be forced to go and, and you know, commiserate with your friends and go, like, how the hell did you get through the graveyard? You know, that kind of stuff. So Yeah. Do you think he cries whenever he sees speedruns? <laughs> <laughs> I I seriously doubt it, man. I mean, if if anyone in the world has shown that they understand, like, you know, the physics of having fun, it's Shigeru Miyamoto, you know? Um, mm-hmm, and I fair. think he would, my guess is that he'd just be thrilled to see yet another way of having fun. Because, like, clearly, uh, the original Super Mario Brothers was designed with speedrunning in mind to a certain extent, right? There are just spots where the jumps are exactly spaced out so that he knows, like, when you get good at it, you're going to just bound through this level in a hurry. So. Mm-hmm. You know, speedrunning may not have existed at that time, but there was certainly sort of the the precursor of that, you know, baked into the game. Um, yeah, that that was. Uh, there aren't a lot of games where I actually want to beat it as fast as possible, but but for some reason, naturally, as a kid, the uh, Mario Brothers one was. Oh, I can beat this in under half an hour. Like I could mm-hmm. tell my friends that, and I was like proud of that fact, and I wanted to get that number down, but. Yeah, like it, the 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 warps acted as both of a kind of save file where mm-hmm. you could be like, well, I can get back to these areas quicker if I use the warps, but then they could also be a shortcut if you knew what you were doing. Your score would be lower too, though. Right. right. Oh, yeah, true. Back when when that really yeah, did matter. That's the thing is that that was <laughs> the exact transition of when score suddenly didn't matter anymore. You know, mm-hmm. but we weren't quite there yet, though. So that still was sort of meaningful within the game. Yeah. I, I think the, the faithful, the faithful arcade port was always the dream uh, for the home market. And then at some point we kind of passed that line where now it's, it's just the, the game, the home consoles are just, you just want to play at home. You just, well, you, so, just you don't want to. 
you know what happened there is because I, I think even now, right? Like if there was still a demand for arcade games, we could still have better graphics, better everything. But like you know, just take like commercial VR and imagine what how much better it could be if you were spending you know tens of thousands of dollars on the equipment. Um, it's just that the gameplay is so different, right? So in an arcade game, you want somebody in and out in three minutes. But gamers mm-hmm. nowadays, we want to live in the game. We want to settle into it. We want to level up over days, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost more about uh, an experience for arcades these days where like you want to have something you could sit down in or something weird that you they the, the kids can't do at home. They could only do it here mm-hmm. at the Chuck E. Cheese. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you had said that you, other than Breath of the like, Wild, well, Breath of the Wild, is you said, is your favorite game when, when we talked before this. Uh, the, I think the, the two of us agree. Um, I'm, I'm certainly a huge fan of old Zelda games and growing up all, you know, with Zelda 1 as, as something I just was always a thing. Um, I just always had and, and played with and, and stuff. Uh I, I certainly I just think Breath of the Wild is is absolutely fantastic. And um, did when did you uh get a Switch? Did you was like was it about getting Breath of the Wild? Yes, absolutely. I yes. bought I bought them both at the same time. Um, because of course I'm so old school that I wasn't thinking that like yeah I could just get it online. I was thinking <laughs> nice. Um, I was thinking of course you know oh I have to buy the physical cartridge because you know I'm from the 80s and that's how it was back then. Uh, so I bought the two at the same time. I bought it you know when it was still the switch was brand new and it was hard to find. Uh, mm-hmm. so I was a super early adopter and honestly. It was you know I'm 45 years old. It was the first video game since I was in college where like I would just look up at the windows and go, oh crap, is that the sun? Is it morning now? <laughs> you know, I got lost yeah. in that game like I did when I was a kid. And it's just fantastic. And it's in every way, it is the realization of the vision of the original Legend of Zelda. You know, you, you talked about how like back then, you know, you, you needed to use the box art. You needed to use your imagination and say, oh, right. So we're going for ogres here or whatever, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, that's a that's a sword. OK, yeah, yeah, exactly. I see how that's a sword. Uh, but to see that, like, you know, to have watched the whole process as that's matured and then, you know, to see a game that really gave us, you know, what was going on in my imagination as I played the original Legend of Zelda. It's just such a spectacular achievement. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, that, that's a, a cool arc. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I just, I, I I had the same problem where I, like, one of my I took a few days off from work just for that opening weekend. And uh, one of my friends from work texted me and was like, how is it? And I'm like, I have to remind myself to, to feed myself. Yep. Um, <laughs> I just want to sit here for 12 straight hours and just live in this game. The amount of times that I heard your partner talking about you fell asleep playing the game and all this stuff and like just that be that being a problem for you what what was a, a great example of how you know engulfed you were in that game it was a solid year where like that was if i had a spare my switch always went with me everywhere uh so like if i had spare time and and i felt like i wasn't too rude ignoring people i would be playing breath of the wild wow yeah, I, I I don't know. I probably put a good 
probably a little over a hundred hours in it. Ultimately, I haven't picked it up in quite a while now, but yeah, it was. It's one of the few games that, like, even after I had everything beat and I'd done everything, like, you know, I'm not a completionist, but that was a game that I was inspired to go be a completionist about. Hmm. So. Did oh to to what to what extent? Oh, did you I, get, yeah, like... no, I didn't go. I didn't get crazy. My buddy Thomas Smith <laughs> over from the uh, Opening Arguments podcast actually got every Korok seed and you know, hundred percent. No way in hell I was doing all of that. But uh, no, but I did. I went through all the. I went through both of the DLCs. I got the motorcycle. I got the uh, the uh, Master Sword all the way powered up. That was a amazing uh, trial. Um. I love that thing. Yeah. I love the trial of the sword. Oh, well, so, you know, what I loved about that so much is that, you know, early on in the game, Breath of the Wild does such a good job of telling you, you know, you're underpowered, hide, hide in the bushes, don't take the main roads, scurry around. And mm-hmm. and so you kind of learn to like snipe at the bad guys and, and sneak in and hit the explosion barrel and get in and get out and blah, blah, blah. And, and so the game does not very often force you to really take on baddies. And and I thought that the mm-hmm. trial of the sword sort of made up for that by just having this just, okay, now just, you know, there ain't nowhere to hide. Just, just fight them for the next 40 minutes or however the hell long it takes. Or, or if there is a, if there is a place to hide, you know, you can't be there very long. They, right. they will eventually find you. You're, you're in a, con, uh, an enclosed confined space. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I think they should do more stuff like that. Um, it because it, it's so scripted and I and I enjoy that because each time like okay I've died again I got to restart okay here's my process for each room and stuff but I would like it if they did something where they just randomized everything and still dropped you in buck nakers <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of a uh, like a rogue like and within uh, yes. the, the the game yeah yeah I can see that yeah absolutely yeah I think I think that's like the Breath of the Wild like most distilled is is that um that trial of the sword um had you had you been playing uh any of the 3D ones from like the the la- the 15 years before that game had come out or no you, like had you played I, no go ahead oh i was going to say i played ocarina of time that was the last zelda game i played before um mm-hmm. breath of the wild so i, I wow I, that's yeah, a jump right yeah yeah i i really i kind of checked out of video games for a good 10 years there or so mm-hmm. uh and and really just got back in in the last you know i don't know five six years um okay yeah i i and i hear that from like a lot of people who who kind of after the 90s were like i, I think i might be good uh for a little bit or something and then yeah you know, eventually kind of, you know, get back into things or just being an adult just, you know, sometimes becomes being an adult and and things fall out of the wayside. But yeah, I, I get that. Well, becoming an adult often means also becoming broke, right? So like when my parents were <laughs> buying the shit for me, I could buy all, I could have all this stuff. But once I had to buy it for myself, it's like, wow, I can either spend this much money on yet another game console or I could spend that money on, Drugs and chicks and you know fun and party and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I think I that's a good. I've never uh, gotten rid of any of my old games, other than to lend them out or lose them and forget them. But so my my really broke years were just spent playing old stuff I had. I had to give. Um... I, 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 I lo- my wife and I moved around a lot and I didn't have the ability to carry much with me. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I ended up giving away my 64 to my nieces. Uh, their house got uh, broken into and somebody stole their video game system. I think they had a GameCube at the time. And like I was like, oh, I don't have, oh. you know, this is the best one I've got. You know, it's the most current game system yeah. I got. So I gave them my 64. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a lot. You know, I, I had a Wii um, that I played until it broke. Uh, so I guess I did mm-hmm. jump in for that. Yeah, I say I say I jumped out of games, and then I'm just like, nah, I actually no. So yeah, no, I'm 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 completely full of shit. Actually, now that I think about it, I played um, I played Twilight <laughs> Princess as well. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It was just so forgettable for yeah, you. Yeah, right? I was gonna say it was just it. I just my mind wanted to push that out, you know. Because other than that, like, I, you know, I, it's it's like um, it's like Adventures of Link, right? You know, I I don't have a lot of memories of that. I played the hell out of it, but I don't have a lot of memories of it. Yeah, it's um, I think just. Just the opaqueness of that game lends to that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we just played uh, Twilight Princess not too long ago for the show. Um, yeah, that's a weird one. It's just kind of like it's it's just kind of there. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is that everything with the Wii was gimmicky as hell, right? I love the Wii, don't get me wrong, but everything that every game they had to like figure in a bunch of ways to work in the Wii mode and and, and throw the gimmicks uh, around and everything. And mm-hmm. in Skyward Sword, that's annoying, but Skyward Sword is a good game. Um, I think with Twilight Princess, you don't even have a good game underlying it, so it's just mm. a gimmick. Mm. I'm I'm going to go... <laughs> I'll, I'll lean your way on that one. <laughs> I mean, oh. I should say... like I didn't have as much fun with it as, as the others did. Yeah, it, I, should, I, I should say, like, you know, I'm saying bad game... like. For a Zelda game, right? Like, it's still, it's not a bad game in the overall world of video games, but, like, compared to, when you have to compare it to things like, you know, Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time and, and, and Breath of the Wild, yeah, it's it's bad. Well, we just got done with the DS, the first DS one, where you have oh, to do yeah. everything on the touchscreen. So when you're talking about, let's get the scale going... That's at the bottom. So when you're saying that Twilight Princess is bad for a Zelda game, I'm like, you haven't played well, the Zelda games. Man. No, that's like, true. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, no, that's true. I got to miss all of the no. DS versions. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't miss much. Yeah, no kidding. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I think Twilight Princess has a an, a problem of wanting to be too many things at once and. And I don't think Skyward Sword has that problem, and and it it's better for it. It seems to me that Twilight Princess also suffered from a lot more padding than you usually get with a with a Zelda game. You know, like yeah, th- th- there may have been like I almost feel like there was a good, there might have been a good eighteen hour game in there, you know, but they just felt the need I think to make it feel more you know epic, more more of a a, a full fledged game. Uh, and big old map. Yeah. And, and, and I just think that the game really suffered for that. Well, it's only mm. when you, when you get to the entrance of a dungeon, the game just like goes and it's what you want it to be. But then as soon as you leave that dungeon, you're like, right, mm-hmm. I have to go through all this stuff before I can get back to the Zelda game that I'm here for. Right. Yeah. I'm going to wander mm-hmm. around as a damn wolf again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, no, you're, you're, you're turning on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Like a like a like a werewolf, like yeah, he's turning yeah. on, turning on. Okay, all right, I got there. Um, yeah, I think I uh side side bit. I got my COVID. I got my vaccine shot, uh, and I stream my playthroughs uh, for that week of what we're going to talk about, just in case anyone 
can't play along but kind of wants to see stuff. And uh, I was just dying for the episode that week to be over because the it had been about eight hours since the shot, and I was starting to feel oh, kind of bad. Yeah. And uh, and it it happened to be the one where you get out of the dungeon, and it's like you need to place these six things around the world and read the 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 magic letter from each one of them, and I'm just like, I am dying. <laughs> Game, can this padding please stop? <laughs> yeah. Ah, you know, it's all right. Yeah, I think there was there was a little bit of uh, trepidation going into Breath of the Wild after people were starting to sour on the the um I don't know format the perceived format yeah. of of what Zelda had become and the 3D Zeldas because we we still yeah. got uh, Link Between Worlds after that which was a very solid game mm-hmm. um but it was really like. When they when we knew oh the camera's going to be behind you again, you get flashbacks to being like, you know, so many people have not enjoyed a Zelda game like they had say for like Ocarina. Yeah, yeah, I I think in a lot of ways Breath of the Wild really had to be fantastic to 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 revitalize the franchise. Like like you know it's it's hard to imagine even if it was like you know if that if um Breath of the Wild was Skyward Sword levels are good. Hard to imagine I'd be as excited about the next one as I am now, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, see, that's a good way to, to put it. Because I think I was excited for it once I kind of knew what it was going to be. But in the lead up to it, it was more of a, you know, I, it's just, I'll play it. I love Zelda, you know. Sure. I'll play it whenever it comes out. Sure, kind of thing. Um, And yeah, now I'm just... Just ready for any any more information I can get about that next one. Like, yeah. please, Nintendo, <laughs> just let me let me see some more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least give me a name, right? Just... Yes. Oh, that the name will give it away. That's apparently. what they're saying. Yeah, that's, it's, gonna, it's gonna give. It, and and then of course you that that leaves you going like, okay, well, what name would give it away? Uh, what would what would yeah. what are they giving away? What could it give away? Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited as all hell for that And I, I've honestly, I haven't been as excited for a video game since I was 16, 15 years old, you know? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I just try, I try not to think about it and be like, it'll, it'll get here someday. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> well, Hey, you know, so, yeah, um, the truth of the matter yeah. is though, like, Hey, I'm glad I don't know when it's coming out, man. Cause it means that means Nintendo's doing what Nintendo does rather than what every other video game maker does you know they're they're gonna wait until the game is correct and then they're gonna put it out so Mm -hmm. kudos don't don't cyberpunk me (laughs) oh yeah no oh god before we get into that uh why don't we take a quick break um and we'll be right back with more discussion of breath of the wild and just i don't know zelda with no illusions Come on in. What can I get you? Sure, I've heard of Hair of the Dogcast. They're that podcast about video games and beer. From the latest gaming headlines to diving deep into the games of yesterday to sampling and reviewing craft beer from all over the world, Hair of the Dogcast is here for the gamer and beer lover in all of us. Available weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hello, my name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm inviting you to listen to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast where myself and two of my very best gaming chums are counting down our top 100 favourite video games of all time. For all the episodes and information, check out our website, www.our3cents.co.uk. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, yeah. Uh, crap. Cyberpunk ruined everything. Where was I going to go? Didn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Nintendo should wait to put a game out. Right. Till it's done. Of course. Because they've, they've done that before where they, they are like, we need to get a game out for this thing. It's not doing well. Like, just push Mario Sunshine and Wind Waker yep. out the door. Just get them done. And and on the other hand, you know, you look at something like Mario sixty four, which you know they held up the release of the Nintendo sixty four for months and months and months over because they wanted to make sure that they had the full game, and it's still to this day, it's one of the greatest video games ever made. You know, so. mm-hmm. yeah, it's still like you know, Nintendo releases a a a new Switch N sixty four service, and people lose their minds because that game isn't completely buttoned down right. like i guess there's a little bit of a lag to it and that matters because that game matters people still mm-hmm. revere that game absolutely i was very surprised i thought they would have had that tightened down but nope well especially because they sold it with uh the mario 3d all-star thing or whatever that they had like come on I, look i i played that on the switch and it's fine mm-hmm. <laughs> what the yeah. hell how did you screw this up i went all the way through that uh uh the opening weekend was like, I'm just going to do nothing but play this game. And yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm excited that the possibility of playing, uh, you know, against people in those games, but uh, in some of those 64 games, but they, they should tighten that up a little bit. That Nintendo. looks even worse. Like that looks like <laughs> the, the, the lowest point in all of that is doing anything online. With yeah, those I'm mm. sure. I'm sure, but man, there's a lot. To, have, have you guys seen the um, the VR Ocarina of Time? No. Uh, some. Oh no. Yeah, some modder took that the first person uh, mod for Ocarina of Time, put it in VR, so it's like a fully playable VR <sighs> Ocarina of Time. Um, I don't have I don't have the kind of computer setup I'd need to do it, or or I'd be all no. in that. But uh, <laughs> I would definitely do a playthrough of that. Um, th- there's a guy out there who does. Um, uh, his, I don't know how he would pronounce it, but it's like K-A-Z-E, and he does the most buck-wildest uh, N64 ROM hacks. And I wonder if he's the guy that did that. He's the guy that did, made like Mario 64, like 64-player online and stuff. Oh, right, right. Okay. So every like few months, he seems to have a whole new thing going on, and it's just wild. So... um. Yeah, so with with Breath of the Wild, um, like I have no problem calling it my favorite game of all time. Even though I have like, I have issues with like kind of the way the story is rolled out, but it's it's not a deal breaker. It's not that big of an issue to me. It's 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 too much fun to like just hang out in that world mm-hmm. that for me to get like hung up on things that aren't you know the same as perceivably like oh it's this is different than the way zelda would normally be or whatever i i don't know uh i think i think just pl- the act of playing that game is is uh, um i don't know feels like home <laughs> i don't even know what kind of question i'm trying to ask right now yeah i certainly i have it as the same category if if, if you ask me my favorite video game of all time, or what do I think is the best video game of all time, which not necessarily, you know, wouldn't always be the same answer. It wouldn't, you know, throughout mm-hmm. time, but I would think uh, Breath of the Wild would be my answer for both. That was just, but, that was all of it coming together just right. Mm-hmm. But 
what is the best Zelda game of all time? Because this is where <laughs> I sit. I think I think Breath of the Wild is my favorite game ever. I don't think it's the best Zelda game. So it's certainly mm. not. I I see what you mean there. I I, I think there that's um that's an interesting thought because yeah, it's it's certainly not. There are aspects of it that are unZelda like. Um, so if you're looking at it from a like a purist perspective, I think a good argument could be made for Ocarina of Time, and I think a good argument could be made for Link to the Past as the best, like the mm-hmm. most um, Zeldesque game of all time. <laughs> Zelda, we haven't <laughs> yes. heard that before. Oh, awesome coinage! I, uh, <laughs> copyright 2021. TM. Yeah, I guess uh, TM would. <laughs> TMCR, sure. Yeah, any any of them, I think. Um, the yeah, I I think the the more that we've played through some of the 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 3D ones, I find myself wanting to go back and check out a Link to the Past again. Which is I I play it, you know, every few years, and I'm glad I don't have it as like memorized as I do Ocarina of Time because it it kind of lets me play it fresh for mm. the most part every time um but yeah i think there's just something to be said for that uh a lot of the 2d ones i think just feel so much more challenging and like i think that's what i'm there for is complex dungeons with kind of a fun overworld and i think a link to the past does that really well or um the game boy one uh link's awakening oh, it's a great game yeah mm-hmm I'll tell you, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it because I've been playing the new Metroid, Metroid Dread, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a return to form 2D uh, Metroidvania. And, you know, and, and I played, you know, a couple of the 3D Metroid games. Wasn't a huge fan of, of the Metroid Prime. And, and, and you know, they, 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 there was some good stuff in, 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 a, in a lot of those games. But, mm-hmm. um, but, but watching sort of that, you know, playing through that return to form and absolutely eating it up. Like, I'm absolutely loving that game. It kind of made me wonder, like, what would it be like if we, if we revisited 2D with Zelda? If we revisited that top-down with modern mm-hmm. tech? You know, because obviously, like the Metroidvania, that that genre of game has continued. We see a lot of great indie games that are very clearly modeled on the link to the past artwork, even, uh, and, and mm-hmm. that, that sort of revisit that gameplay. It's obviously a gameplay that works. I'd love to see what, what Nintendo could do if, if they decided to do sort of a return to form on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm really hopeful that we get to see something from Grezzo. Uh, Grezzo was the team that made the Link's Awakening remake on Switch, and I thought they did such a great job with mm-hmm. it. But and they, I believe Grezzo also worked on the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask remakes on 3DS. Uh, uh, that not, sounds right. I, I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure that was the team that did that. And I'm hoping we're going to get something like what Nintendo did with Mercury Steam, where they were like, "Look, remake this Metroid game with Metroid: Samus Returns, and then you can make your own." original game we can get working on mm-hmm. something like that and maybe they can do that with grezzo where they can be like look you can make the next overhead 2d zelda game like oh, you, you awesome. understand you understand the requirements so mm-hmm. go ahead and show us what you got yeah that'd be fantastic yeah because um i figured we would have seen another one of those but then i guess we did get the Link's awakening remake but uh even with uh being a completely different game, A Link Between Worlds still had uh, a recognizable map. It was still the A Link to the Past map, 
just with completely turned on its head with the way you you move around the world where you can become like a little 2D painting and and walk around walls and stuff. Um but that was so, so long ago. I know it wasn't it 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 like when you stop and think about it, it they haven't they haven't put a new kind of thing out in in like a decade for the 2D style. And even then, it was still kind of derivative, right? Um, right. At, at least the map. So I, I, yeah, I would really love. I, I think that they, they've shown that they can do that, and um, that they can put two different Zelda games out, like pretty much the entire, you know, since they've had a portable system. So I, I, we need to see more of that. Let's. Uh, it, who's your favorite champion? <laughs> oh, um, Rivali. It's like I like a smart ass. I'm I'm a fan of smart <laughs> Yeah. I'm partial to uh do, have you played uh uh Hyrule Warriors uh Calamity at all? I started that uh, one and then uh the Assassin's Creed, the new Assassin's Creed came out like right after it and I kinda got distracted mm-hmm. and haven't gone back to it. But uh It's it's uh it's a lot of fun for you get to actually play as, you know, mm-hmm. like Rivali and, and stuff like that and and He's one of the more fun ones because he gets to fly around and stuff like that. that yeah, I that, really that liked game's when I played it. of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know one of the thirteen hundred games on my. You know, I'm going to go back to that when I have a little more time. List. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you you do need time. Time is something you need for that game because they they kind of just want you to keep playing it and then to keep playing it some more right. uh, to get to get anything done. That one takes a while. Yeah. I don't think I ever would have finished it if I wasn't trying to stream it for for people. So, um, yeah. What did you uh, think of? We finally got a, a trailer for the sequel. Speaking of that earlier, what did what did you think of what we saw? Well, you know, I I'm easy. Like literally anything <laughs> they showed me, I would have been excited about. But this, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the way they're hinting around about the overworld islands and stuff is sort of like as a return to that. Um, uh, skyward sword dynamic mm-hmm. or 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 you know visually at, at least that's exciting as hell like trying to piece together the all right seems like there's some kind of turning into a liquid power is that what or is he controlling the liquids <laughs> all right what, you know trying to like sort of piece together what type of powers we're going to be playing with i've just you know mm-hmm. I've, I've been over that thing frame by frame at this point I, i'm super yeah. super excited about everything every little bone that they'll throw for us at this point yeah, no, no, I I've definitely done that too. Um when you think of Breath of the Wild, like what is like the the first thing that pops in your head? Um you know, honestly, like, what is the most quintessential thing about it to you? Yeah, that's that's hard to say. Like so okay, so t- to me in a lot of ways like the 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 point that is the crux of the game. So when I when I first played through, I don't know about you guys, but I I went to the um to to me, as my first champion, the first on uh, my first playthrough, mm-hmm. and yeah, and the game had done such a good job of scaring me and putting me in my place that I'm constantly hiding from all the bad guys, right? I'm constantly sneaking around, and and that uh, that the approach to um rem- remind me of the city that you're going to the the Zora city, um Zora domain, yeah, yeah, was did it called just, Zora's did domain? they just call it that? Oh, it may have been. Oh, okay, I was thinking they had the name th- for the I, city, but. Yeah, so but yeah. the approach to that where it's like it's it's raining as you go through and they don't let you really climb. I mean, you know, you you can if you 
try hard enough, but but they don't really yeah. let you climb around. You actually have to face off against those Lizalfos after you had spent so much time hiding from them. And and the game really sort of holds your hand through that moment, saying and kind of knowing that that's the first time you're going to be going toe to toe with a lot of these bad guys. And I just mm-hmm. thought that that moment and and it's the the game's presence to to realize that this is the turning point where you have to real you you have to as a player recognize that you are now going to be fighting these guys instead of hiding from them. I think it was so perfectly done. It was so much fun, and it it, it really served as a a perfect gauntlet at that moment in the game, you know, to sort of mm-hmm. undo all this important work that they did early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that sequence also has a, a moment later where you have to, at the very least be in the presence of a Lionel yes. for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> unless, unless you were me and you thought you had to kill it. And so you spent an evening. <laughs> oh no doing so um yeah and i was naked that's right yeah i was buckers when i did it too i refused to put on clothes for the longest time in that game so okay so that yeah that's a that's a great moment where you where you're uh gathering up the arrows i was so pissed my Mm -hmm. wife uh, of course, she was playing behind me. She'd watch me play, and then she would play on her on her version, like uh, behind me. And she didn't want any part of that. She explores. <laughs> she's an absolute completionist about everything. She finds that little village down by the the sea, the, the down south, uh, before mm-hmm. she ever gets to that, and just buys the damn arrow. Skips past that part entirely. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're kidding me? Because I spent a whole evening doing that. Just and I'm. I'm really frustratable when it comes to games, right? So, like, I'm screaming at the damn <laughs> right. thing. I'm so pissed at that. Like, every time I turn around, like, walking around 4,000 times trying to throw bombs at him and shit. Like, that would take th- Just... 300 years, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and then for her to find a way around that entirely just drove me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because they, they do kind of... Uh push you in that direction mm-hmm. um, that, you know, a lot of people's their first champion, you know, section that they did was the, was the water area. So if you had gone off in a different way, you would have, maybe you did that one last and you've got like a hundred of those arrows already in the game. Just like, no, you're good. You're, yeah. You're cool. Yeah. You've probably already mm-hmm. killed one of these. Haven't you? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, but once again, you know, what a great job of like introducing us to that enemy early on so that every time we mm-hmm. see one from that point on, we're like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, I took, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go no, go for it. I was gonna say, like, if it hadn't been for that moment, you know, like when you're going to to fight Ganon, when you go to Ganon's castle at the end of the game, and you end mm-hmm. up, if you go turn the wrong way, you end up locked in that little tower with a Lionel. Yeah. You know, if you hadn't <laughs> been through that sequence at the beginning and and been so frustrated by those things, had been you know ducking and hiding from them constantly throughout the game, that would never have the kind of impact that it re- that it manages to have in that moment, especially if you emerge victorious from that thing you know mm-hmm. i but theoretically i don't i i did never i didn't do that but if, if someone were to <laughs> emerge victorious it, yeah it, when i fall into that room uh on in the in the castle area if i ever fall into one of those rooms i just reload a save yeah right I'm like i don't <laughs> i've killed plenty of lionels and i don't really feel like dealing with this one though yeah um yeah it's it it really does leave an impact because i think the the first five lionels that i came across um 
Uh, I have a picture of each one of them because I stop dead in my tracks with fear. Yeah. And like hide, like climb up onto a wall and just hang there for a while and just go like, what, all right, what am I going to do now? What, like, what do I, is there grass around? Uh, that was usually my, my initial way of fighting them was like, only fight them when there's grass nearby and it's not raining because then they can give you that updraft when they catch the grass on fire and you can shoot at them or slow-mo or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, the, the evolution of how you become more comfortable dealing with those things is, is one of the better things in, in the game, I think. Yeah, I think the last thing I did before I quit playing altogether was I went through and killed every single Lionel, you know, just to make sure mm. I'd gotten each one of them once. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I I want to start naming them now because I've I've spent so much time uh annihilating all of them <laughs> that that that's basically my I play this game like I play Grand Theft Auto where I just hang out in it and sometimes I'm like I'm going to go find all those damn Lionels and yeah, I should uh I should start naming them now. Yeah. They, they they deserve it at this point. <laughs> I, I will say, though, that's one thing I really appreciate about Breath of the Wild. I've gone back to it a couple of times uh, since I since I first played it. I, I've gone back, you know, and, and tried to play it from from the stop from the top. Uh, again, I've gone back to, you know, my my character that's all the way powered up a couple of times just to mm-hmm. ride the motorcycle around and, and, and yeah. kill a few folks. And, you know, when I contrast that with the other big world games that I've played, it, I'm always struck by how full the world of Breath of the Wild is, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there, there are so many games that have maps that are that size, but they just seem like it's just the same damn thing over and over again. Um, or there are these vast open areas that have virtually nothing in them. Uh, so the exploration becomes tedious in a way that it never does in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost just kind of want to crisscross the map and just stumble you're just constantly stumbling into things and that motorcycle i did not think i would care about that thing at all mm-hmm. and when i finally got it i i wanted to do nothing else but just ride that around and bump into stuff and so i had, and i'd already been playing it for hours and hours at that point so yeah so i had no idea what was coming right so i had i had not read anything about it or seen anything about it, it so i got through that <laughs> end of that dlc and you fight the big monk and everything and it's making such a big deal of of the reveal you know it was like it's it, it's doing the whole big like you just won it on a game show let's pull this curtain but just <laughs> in, in one moment kind of a thing and i'm like what could it possibly be that would warrant this much pump and circumstance and then the, they they show up with that motorcycle Cycle, that motorcycle comes rising up and you're like oh hell yes okay <laughs> a like literal iron horse yeah yeah right right it's fantastic <laughs> i and i i kind of was uh before we we hopped on here i kind of was like eh, i'll pull up my old file and and ride around and hopped on my motorcycle and and I and I just drove around. I was in the starting area for some reason. The last time I had played it, I was just hanging out there. And so I just drove around in the starting area with a motorcycle. And then my gas runs out. And, and I had the thought of, would I have pre- preferred the alternative where it just never runs out of fuel? And I don't think I, I don't think if I have the, if I had had the choice, I, I like feeding it dead body parts of the things I have killed <laughs> for some reason. That's pretty metal. Yeah. That's like, for some reason, like the most 
awesome thing I could I could possibly think of to do is that's how you fuel that bike. Well, that's so indicative of what Breath of the Wild did. I, I think there's a lot of things in that game that when I first encountered them or for a while in the game, I absolutely hated them, thought they were terrible ideas. And then in retrospect, I'm like, that, that was genius. Uh, the the, mm-hmm. the fragility of your swords, for example, you know, in every other game, I, I power up to my strongest sword and then I just use that sword. And that's the sword I use for the rest of the game. Whereas with Breath of the Wild, you really were incentivized to look at the encounter and go, all right, well, I can't use a two hander here. There'd be no point in wasting my fire on this guy, you know, so I'm going to use this mm-hmm. sword. But if I don't have him quick, I'm going to revert to this one because I'm going to need that one later. You know, you really that inventory management became an exciting part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it forced you to kind of learn to fight in several different ways, right? So you learned to fight from a distance with the spear. You learned to fight with a big, heavy uh, two-handed sword. You learned to fight with a one-handed sword and a shield. You, you had to do all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything is, is – there's a lot of decisions that you have to make and uh, based on resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when you uh, – or at least when I found, and I've talked to other people who, when they first found the giant ice blade – like I couldn't I couldn't say why that was a game changer until like I had thought about it for a while and I think it was because I it it allowed you one time to stop and think if you were surrounded but also uh you did like you could you could freeze some guys and then get them with a headshot or save some of your resources right. like that was why that sword all of a sudden it clicked one day where this keeps me from breaking more of my things and that's a good thing right well, and then of course the the you know throwing your sword at somebody right before it breaks, you know, adding that little mm-hmm. aspect to a ton, a ton of fun is is added there. And then you know it even gives you a reason to hold on to a sword that only you really only have one shot left with, and and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So yeah, and and even like, and it, it does double damage when you throw when you mm-hmm. break a, uh, a when you throw a weapon to break it, you know, for the last hit. So it it definitely incentivizes that. Yeah. Even like and 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 I know a lot of people still complain about this and think it was a mistake. But even the the rain that would keep you from being able to climb as irritating as that got when it you know when it resulted in you just sitting around and waiting, which is the worst thing a, a mm-hmm. game can ever ask you to do, right? Uh, but but still, like the fact that you were occasionally forced away from that the, the fact that the the lightning would make you take off your your metal gear and use the um the the wooden crap or, or give you a reason to have bone and wooden weapons still in your, you know, taking up room in your inventory and stuff. A lot of those mm-hmm. things that again, were real annoyances when you first started playing the game and, and that people still complain about, I think were actually just brilliant ways of increasing the importance of inventory management, which of course increases the excitement of getting a good weapon or getting a, you know, a, mm-hmm. getting more Kurok seeds so that you can hold more weapons, et cetera. Yeah, because so many times uh, in games, bad weather means almost nothing. Like maybe the cars uh, slip a mm-hmm. little more or something like that. But it it really feels more immersive in this, where like you have to be like, okay, I need to find shelter or at least a tree to where I can set a fire, or you know, even a dry spot in this rainstorm to set a fire to sleep. To mm-hmm. maybe pass the storm, or and when you're thinking about a game in those terms, it's already done its job. It's, it's making you, you know, exist within the world itself. 
Yeah, and, and, and making the night so hard to move through, you know, making it, especially mm-hmm. when you first start out, that you're just going to get your <laughs> ass kicked if you try to cross the plane at night. So you really are forced to try to think of, okay, what, what do I still have daylight left to do? You know, do I mm-hmm. do I have time to harvest enough wood for this to even matter before the day is out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was the first one in the group to run into a moblin, and I ran into the skeleton form about five minutes after I jumped off the Great Plateau. And <laughs> like I don't know what just happened, but I turned around and there were three of them behind me. And it, yeah, night had just fallen. So it was my first night off the Great Plateau, too. So I had no idea what I was in for. Game immediately killed me. So I've got a, a cool Zelda-related story that I can share with you guys. Uh, Shoot. Okay. If you got a couple minutes to fill, so I have a buddy who is enough of a, a Zelda fan that he has the Triforce tattooed on the back of his hand, right? So, um, on his See, that's that's the one that takes balls. Everybody wants to do that. Yeah, but no, he, he mine lo- are up on my shoulders under my sleeve, <laughs> so like you can't see him. I can I can go to business meetings. Yeah, my fine. guess is he wishes his were too, but you know they're not. <laughs> <laughs> So, but but he's a huge, huge Zelda fan and 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 has been forever. Uh, so on his, I think it was his twenty fifth, twenty sixth birthday, uh, we set up uh, me and a few friends set up a live action Zelda dungeon in our house. Uh, <gasps> I heard about this. Yes, I, I th- yeah, I think you did tell the story. Yeah, so I I I, I set it up. Um, we, we we had a house in. Queens, and it was actually in a very nice neighborhood in Queens, but it was one of those things where, like, it was the bad, it was the crappy house on the block, and we had seven people splitting the rent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it really lent itself to this great Zelda dungeon where, like, I, I blocked out the middle of the house, and you had to, like, leave the front door, go around the side, and come back in the back to figure it out. There was a, a door that you had to bomb. I had I had put, like, um like a plastic over it and drawn the... You know, that that telltale sign that this is a bombable spot on this the door. Is, yeah. Uh, there was a spot where he had to light these three conspicuous candles that were on one floor in order to open the door to get to the master sword <laughs> that was above. Uh, it was it was a ton of ton of fun. It was um that's awesome. Yeah, you know, we had pots that he had to break along the way. There was uh we were into slack lining at the time, so one of the uh, like one of the keys he had to get to was across the slack line and um, <laughs> yeah, Heath actually played the part of Ganon in it. Uh, so the the way it okay. all started, we had um, Heath kidnap his girlfriend, uh, who was also in on it, uh, take her out to the garage, and then he has to figure out how to get the master key to open the garage. When he does, we've got these little red balls that um, that like inflatable one foot uh, balls that he's throwing, and uh, he he has to like the the friend that's playing the part of Link has to hit them back. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, um. Oh no! I was just gonna say the 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 reveal was was awesome too. He, he he had moved to New Jersey at the time, so he 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 knew we were doing something. He didn't know what the hell it was. He, he knew his girlfriend yeah. was in on it to some degree. She had bought the the link outfit, the green armor that he had to get at the beginning, and uh, so you know he he knew something was going on. And when he comes up, I I I, I hand him this Nerf sword that he's going to be using for the whole thing, and I'm like, you know, it's dangerous to go alone. So, and he just yeah. like, he just melted right then. He knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> Aww. 
Did you have an old man beard on? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I did wear no. a goatee at the time, though. So I was, you know, I was pretty. I was pretty. Yeah, angry. yeah, that works. That works. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I mean, thanks so much for coming to talk to us. Uh, I take any chance I can to talk about Breath of the Wild. So um, that's been an absolute uh, pleasure, man. Thanks to Noah for coming on to our show to talk about Zelda. For myself and Brian, it was an honor to have him on. We're a big fan of the shows that he does. We'll have links in the description below where you can go and follow him on Twitter and follow his other shows. Really funny stuff that they do over there. Some really informative things as well.